the most healing moment for me was actually getting my adoption file from the authorities and reading a letter from my birth mother about the teddy bear when it became abundant to me that the teddy bear was a symbol of her love, not mm -hmm. a consolation prize. Did you finally realize your dream of having a family only to have your happily ever after turn into a nightmare? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering why nothing you try as a parent is working? Are you searching for adoption resources and a support team but can't find any? Hi neighbor, welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. I'm Tim Maudlin, husband, adoptive parent, Bible class teacher, and ambassador of encouragement. I too felt the joy of having a family of my own. I wish we could be like other adoptive families. I knew we were doing our best, but nothing seemed to work. I kept asking myself, why is this happening to us? Life can be tough. Storms in life are inevitable. In Anchors of Encouragement, my mission is to throw adoptive parents a lifeline and be your anchor, to offer biblical mindset support and provide stability when life gets unstable. If you're ready for real and raw talk that leads to peace beyond comprehension, so you not only survive but thrive in life's storms, this podcast is for you. Hope and healing are on the way. Hi, neighbor. I'm excited to share with you a conversation I recently had with my neighbor from Great Britain, Simon Ben. Simon is an adoptee. The insights that he shares from his own personal journey, I believe, will not only help those of us who are adoptive parents, but will help our adopted children as well. I want to encourage you to grab a pen and paper. There are so many nuggets in this episode, from the story about a teddy bear to a metaphor of a diamond. And then in the Daily Doable, Simon gives those of us who are adoptive parents an amazing gift. Simon Ben is a 56-year-old Brit who was adopted at five weeks old and told so young he doesn't ever remember not knowing. He wasn't aware of any adoption trauma until he found out that his teddy bear was a gift from his birth mother. That unleashed an eruption of anger, feeling rejected, and unloved. That led to a quest to heal, healing, and a desire to help others. One of the ways he does that is through the Thriving Adoptees podcast. Simon, it's good to have you here. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Acres of Encouragement. Uh, welcome. Uh, yeah, thank you, Tim. Um, I, I'm saying welcome because usually I'm doing the hosting, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to auto. Um, I, I love I love being a guest uh, on on podcasts, and I, I love some some adoptee podcasters aren't so keen on. Um, supporting adoptive parents but i i feel it's we've, we've all got to help each other we've got to help um walk each other home so i'm looking forward to our conversation today i am too uh, before we get into the actual conversation we want we've you and i've talked about ahead of time tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from in the uk and and a little bit about uh, the city you're from because it's really fascinating okay so I live kind of halfway between Leeds and York. So Leeds is famous for its soccer team. And uh, York is famous as like, a, I know you, you were into architecture. So it was a, it was a Jorvik. It was the, the old name for York is called Jorvik. So it was a Viking settlement mm -hmm. and it was also a Roman settlement. Uh, so that's about 12 miles away from, from me. Uh, Leeds is about, um, 14 miles away from me. I live in a tiny village 
so small it hasn't even got a pub. Well, it, it had a pub until 1895, apparently, but we didn't move until about 100 years after that. Uh, and I live about, uh, I've always lived local, locally. Um, so my mum and dad collected, uh, collected me from an adoption agency in Liverpool, which is about 80 miles away um, at home with the Beatles, of course. And, and I've lived around North Yorkshire, West Yorkshire for, for, for all my uh, all my life. I lived, lived in four houses, I think so. Oh, wow. And there's so much history when you start talking about Vikings and Romans and the Beatles. I mean, I go, oh, my, there's there's this it's fascinating, all the history that uh, is surrounding you just within arm's reach. So that's really cool. And again, uh, I appreciate you uh, joining us today as we uh, get into our conversation in your bio. The thing that really struck me was that just like my boys, you were always told you were adopted. But it wasn't until you realized or found out that uh, this teddy bear that you had was a gift from your birth mother. Can you share, you know, when did you discover that? When did you find out that she had given that to you? So um, on my 40th birthday, it was. So on, on the evening of my 40th birthday, my mum and dad came around to, to pick me and my wife up uh, and take us out for a meal. And my mum brought a box of uh, things that I'd never you know, emptied out of my childhood bedroom. So I moved out of home when I was 22. Mm-hmm. So um, in, in that in that box was this uh, teddy bear. That was one of the items in there. And my dad told my wife that the, t- that the teddy bear was from my birth mother. Uh, and my wife told me. My first reaction to that was one of curiosity. I thought, well, they've told me that I was adopted really young. So why didn't they tell me that the bear was from my birth mother? Uh, but I, it was just gentle curiosity. But um, a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks later, a couple of months later, I think I ha- uh, I was going to see a, a, a coach type lady. I'd, I'd been on a training course and I got really angry at one of the, uh, you know, at the exercises that we were doing on this. Uh, it was like communication skills training. And I, I got really angry. And, and the, so the context, and, and the lady that was running the course, the communications course called Sarah, she said to me, um, seems like you've got something running for you there, Simon, with this anger. If you ever want to come and talk to me about it, um, then, um, you know, I'd, I'd be up for a chat. So I said, yeah, sure. And uh, I went, made an appointment, went to see her. Uh, and I started telling her about the teddy bear. And then out of nowhere, uh, this um, this volcano of anger erupted. So the, the what I said with some swear words, which I won't obviously use because this is a family show, but the 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 anger was she didn't love me enough to keep me, uh, and uh, she gave me this teddy bear as a consolation prize. The girl, the woman I was talking to, Sarah, she said, "Well, Simon, I don't think it was." kind of quite like that and and i saw the truth in what she said and the kind of volcano stopped erupting at that point but there was still a little bit of white smoke coming out of the top of the volcano Uh um and uh and and that's what i've been working on ever since really last 16 years you know like um 
the, this happened when I was 40. So you could say that, that, that this was a, a, a midlife crisis or a start of a, a, of a journey, a start of a, um, a spiritual journey. That, that's depending on whether I'm feeling in, uh, up or down, then that, that's how I see it. Another thing that was happening at that time that, uh, that ran for me is I'd taken over part of the, the family business and struggled with that. And finally, after years, decade, you know, probably 12 years of running the business, I'd finally had a good year. And that hadn't made me happy. And it hadn't stopped me worrying about the future. So these two things kind of came together as the as, as to kick, kicked off my my um, transition from business development into kind of self development and personal development and and those sorts of things, which led me eventually to to doing what I do today. And your your goal is to help other adoptees, correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, I, I, the Thriving Adoptees podcast, we're, we're about 400 podcasts in now. I started off with uh, interviews with adoptive parents and adoptees. Now we focus on pretty much uh, on, on just on adoptees, have some birth mothers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's about sharing what we've learned. So okay. I'm, I'm interviewing the guest on what they've learned that okay. has helped them uh, thrive uh, or heal as an adoptee or what's helped them help their kids to, to thrive or heal as an adoptive parent. Yeah. There's okay. also have some birth mothers on the show as well. So. Sure. Okay. We'll, we'll circle back to that as we get, as we wrap up this conversation. Uh, it's interesting that, uh, that teddy bear triggered those emotions. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. now you were angry. The with anger. Your, anger. Yeah. You were I, angry with your birth mother, right? I would in that moment, I was okay. angry in the birth mother and I'd never been, I'd never given my birth mother a thought. Okay. You know, like some adoptees say, well, I always wondered, I never felt I fitted in. Da, da, da. I always wondered what would have life been like if I, my birth mother had kept me. And um, I had a, uh, I had a, a bad adoption. I had uh, my birth mother was, yeah. Pe- people have obviously everybody's got a different, everybody's got a different, story i i genuinely had no i I genuinely had no felt no conscious uh adoption trauma till till then till that moment i'd I'd never thought about my birth mother i never thought about what my life would have been like uh what adoptees call this is coming out of the fog right so okay what happens a lot because this verba, this trauma, is is preverbal, so mm-hmm. we we have the closest thing I can get to it in my own head is we we've got two dogs now and they are dogs three and four, so we've had four dogs over our, our time, and some of those dogs have cried and not settled in. You know when mm-hmm. when we've when we've got them. So if you if you think about that, if you think about me at at at, at five weeks old, I'm confused. I'm 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 I've no, I have no words. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have I just have a, a, a I just had a feeling. Maybe maybe I had a feeling. Maybe I had a feeling of uh, fear. Maybe I was afraid because I was alone. I was m- maybe the the smells. You know, maybe my birth mother and my and my adoptive mother uh, smelt 
different you know so this is this is this is pre-verbal trauma that um is literally without words we don't have words for it we don't have words for it we don't have memory for it and then when we come out of the fog it is is when we see our trauma for the first time so to extend the metaphor it's like going out onto a, a a foggy a foggy morning that fog lifts and we we see the 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 dark clouds of of our trauma that have been hidden by the fog right we haven't seen we haven't seen the the dark storm clouds of trauma right so uh, and and we're we're afraid you know like so maybe there's some kind of thunder and lightning maybe the light the rain's coming down and and we we haven't been aware of that mm-hmm. trauma and and until that moment that we we come out of the uh, the fog that it makes sense and the um the thing i've talked about on this show before is you know my my oldest had a lot of anger um that manifested itself at 17 you know it was as you say it was pre-verbal trauma because we got him when he, we were there when he was born we took him home the next day but there was pre-verbal trauma there was that separation that he couldn't put words to and it it, it took him going through therapy and residential to start to understand what was going on in the first place and so that's interesting now i'm curious if if you're a adoptive parents picked up on any kind of of trauma and i don't know if it was like for us we weren't even talking about that kind of trauma back then but did they pick up on anything as you were you know an infant or a toddler that you know they helped you to adjust not that not that they've mentioned to me Uh um you know i i I can think of angry moments in, in my life you know before uh-huh. uh but i i wouldn't say that i was uh anger wasn't a, a pattern okay uh, a constant pattern right so i i can re- remember um the odd fights at school and in in, in this in the six in this in the 70s in the uk fighting wasn't just it wasn't just adoptees that were fighting right in the playground you know <laughs> like it, it was a different different time they didn't have they didn't have supervisors okay in the in in the in the playground in the yard you know at uh-huh. school um so there, there there were fights um but you know i can remember the odd moment so i was on a school trip to chester which is another funny enough that's another um roman settlement okay about, yeah it's probably uh, 10 20 miles from liverpool at that side of the and i lost my rucksack what you would call a backpack um, and I got on, and I was, so I was late getting on the bus. This is when I was ten, a school trip to to Chester. So, so this kid, another Simon, actually, funnily enough, he he sneered, he sneered at me about this fact that I lost my um, rucksack, and I I just hit him, you know. Um, so there's odd, there's odd moments of. you know anger i can remember the odd odd fight that that went on but i don't remember being an angry kid sure well it's interesting because as an adoptive parent 
we don't want to attribute all behaviors to adoption trauma. Some of it's just kids being kids. And like yeah. you said, on the playground, kids were fighting. You know, everybody's fighting. Everybody's not adopted, but they're all fighting. Yeah, <laughs> or a yeah. lot of them were fighting. That, that's so. it. And and that the um the attribution thing, the assignment, the, mm-hmm. the it, it it can become well, it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 and it's it's not it, it doesn't usually lead to any results. You've got to deal you've got to deal with the behavior or the feeling at mm-hmm. hand. Um, uh, assigning it that the brain, our brains are meaning-making machines. So they want us to assign stuff, uh, uh, well, uh, assign thoughts, feelings, trauma, behavior, whatever it is. To, but it, it, it's a waste of time, really, <laughs> yeah. in, in my opinion. Like, you, you, is it, you know, so I could say, well, is that, is this, is that, you know, um, doesn't really matter. I'm trying to think of a metaphor. So, um about this time of year, just running up Christmas a few years ago, you know, we had a problem with our lights. So the electrician had to find the source of the problem until he knew the source of the problem. He couldn't fix the lights. Mm-hmm. Well, whether it's a, a kid issue, a human issue, whether it's an adoptee issue, I don't know in, in most counts, in most cases, whether it makes any difference. I may be flying in the whole face of uh, all the evidence There may be, there may be totally good reasons that I don't know about why it's important to deal with the attribution, but I don't think so. Well, the bottom line is you were angry and you had to figure out how to process those feelings. And because you didn't want to stay in, I'm I'm assuming you didn't want to stay in that, that mindset. Well, I mean, I, I, when I was 10, I wasn't really bothered, you know, like, right. Yeah. I've, I've just started, uh, back again with some therapy because people would be talking to me about pre-verbal, pre-verbal trauma. And I thought, well, why don't I explore this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and lo and behold, I have found more anger um, and grief, actually grief, mm-hmm. anger, anger is the flip side of grief. And I'm working, uh, working through that uh, with, uh, with the therapist at the moment. So, yeah, we're un- we're uncovering some stuff. This this healing journey, often talk about healing on the uh, the Thriving Adoptees podcast. Mm-hmm. But for me, there's there's two things. Uh, there's, there's, there's two, we can look at healing from two on two levels. We can talk about psychological healing. Uh, anybody that's been through trauma is going to be on for the rest of their life, mm-hmm. and we we can. To, but we can talk about the essence of who who we are that was never wounded, right? So this, I, I believe that the essence of of who we are, our what some people would call spirit, um, that spirit is is unwoundable because it, it, it's not a thing. It can't it can't be wound, wounded. It's it's veiled. It's veiled. Our, our life force, our chi, our spirit is uh, veiled by the trauma it's not damaged by the trauma so if there's no if there's no wound there's no need to heal so that that's so i, I look at healing on on two levels the uh, the the wholeness of uh, us as spirit or consciousness and the the healing of the psychological identity you mentioned that you've been in therapy has there been anything else that you've done that you found helpful to your healing well I, i've been on the 
on this for 16 years. Okay. So I, I've had a lot of coaching. I've done a lot of reading. I've done a lot of listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't actually done that much. I haven't actually done that much therapy. A few years ago, I was, again, from a kind of like explorative perspective, I did probably four, five, six therapy sessions uh, so far this time, maybe done six or six or seven. The most healing moment for me was actually getting my adoption file from the authorities and reading a letter from my birth mother about the teddy bear when it became abundant to me that the teddy bear was a symbol of her love, not mm-hmm. a consolation prize. That was the, that's the most healing moment. I've been on retreats around consciousness stuff and mm-hmm. uh, things like that as well. So I, I've tried explaining those insights to other, some of the insights that I've had from to other people and um, it, they don't seem to land like the teddy bear one. Right. When it's hard, as you said, this is nonverbal trauma or preverbal trauma. So you feel it. And it's hard. I, I know it's something I've shared on the podcast a lot about my son when he was angry, wasn't angry with us. Um, he didn't like himself. He, he thought something was wrong with him because why would she give him away? This is the essential verbal thing that yes. all those adoptees say right uh-huh the thriving adoptees logo is a diamond yes mm-hmm. and and it's a diamond to reflect our brilliance mm-hmm. and our worth and i i do this i do this bit of uh, uh what some people might call it a, a shtick right so this doesn't work for a podcast but it does it does work for tim tim and me so <laughs> I'm, I'm holding my fist up to the camera. Mm-hmm. I'm holding the, my fist up to the camera. The fist is is my my metaphor for, for for trauma, which we've been talking about is often presents as anger. Okay, so I'm 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 white knuckling it. I'm mm-hmm. I'm white knuckling it through life, and I've talked about hitting the 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 natural position, the natural shape of my hand isn't isn't that clenched fist. It, it it's open. So if I if I unfurl the if I unfurl my fingers uh, to reveal the essence of who we are mm-hmm. as as this as this diamond. As you were holding the diamond in your hand. I'm holding, I was holding I was holding the diamond. The the, uh-huh. the, the, the diamond was hidden in my hand uh, and uh, my my hand is the metaphor for the trauma and the, the diamond is the metaphor for the brilliance and the per- perfection that that we all are as yes. as human beings as as adopted parents as an adoptee so one of the biggest things that ha- has helped me is seeing that 16 years ago on a retreat see mm-hmm. seeing my perfection our perfection that that is hidden by our trauma that that's why the thriving adoptees logo is a diamond uh, and because the, the 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 biggest thing that we have to see for for ourselves 
is is our perfection and and our brilliance and the, and the, and and the better we can see it for ourselves the more likely we are able to to point our kids in the right direction so the they see it for themselves i love that metaphor um one thing that occurred to me as you were explaining that is that you know diamonds are formed through immense pressure and is that the trauma is that pressure is that what's helping define that brilliance well, as it's unfolded um if if that works for you then then okay then yes yeah. I, I i have heard that one i i have had that one before every metaphor kind of runs out sometimes it runs out so sure. uh, it runs out of steam it, it it's not it it's a it's a representation of the truth right the the diamond i'm holding up to the camera is you know it's an inch high an inch wide it's glass it's not actually a diamond <laughs> it, and i got it off amazon right mm-hmm. it, I, I, and it was eight, eight quid eight, eight pounds so ten dollars maybe nine dollars uh, the pound's really strong sorry the dollar's really strong has been for ages i went to south carolina in march and it was yeah really expensive the 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 diamond's worth is set by the diamond market and 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 its worth is is finite our worth as 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 human beings is infinite you know Mm -hmm. your your worth my worth your wife's worth your your kids worth everybody's every listener's worth is is infinite so that's when the diamond the diamond metaphor runs out. It has its restrictions. It has its um, natural end, if you like. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, but that that's the thing. Um, at, at a conscious level, I, I can say my birth mother didn't love me enough, right? So that's, that's a reflection of what's going on inside. I am unlovable. So yeah, she didn't love me enough, making it external. I'm unlovable internal there's something wrong with me so the the essence of, of the diamond is to flip that completely on its head and provide that metaphor for our worth i believe well i know that this message will help adoptees it, because i've heard statements just like what you've made that you're not lovable that type of thing and so this metaphor does have value to let them understand that they are lovable they do have value they... yeah but they have to see it for themselves yes so three three years ago um i came up with something talking to my wife's best friend and and i and i i, I love it because i love a little truism a little i love the precision of it right there's no such thing as a second-hand insight Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as a second-hand insight, right? So we can say to somebody, I've been, you know, we can say, I, me and my wife haven't got any kids, right? But so I, is that, you, we could say, I've been trying to tell, I can, I've been trying to tell, I, like, pretend I'm my dad, I'm my dad. I've been trying to tell Simon that, he, you know, that he's brilliant, that he's a, di- a diamond, a, 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 a diamond. Um, I've been trying to tell him, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of telling him, uh, I've been tr- I'm telling him to till makes me blue in the face, but he hasn't got it. Well, that's because it, it, it's it's not what we say; it's what the other person hears. Right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's not what we point at; it's what the other person sees. There's no such thing as a second-hand 
insight. If you're an adoptive parent listening, your kids have to see their brilliance for themselves. So your job is to develop the communication and the kind of like the coaching skills and the and the questioning, the gentle questioning skills and your own metaphors so that they see this stuff. Or, or use my metaphor if you want. Go on Amazon. Yeah. Buy, buy, buy the glass. I, I, I bought one. So when I was, I was in South Carolina, did some work in elementary schools. Um, it, it wasn't adoption related, but I also did some work in a children's home, uh, which was adoption related. And I, I sent the, I sent Danny, the, the adoptee, who's, who's the president of the, of the children's home down in um, Greenwood, South Carolina. I, I sent him, I, I sent him a diamond. I, I went on Amazon, bought him a diamond as uh-huh. a reminder to, to him. Um, but yeah, it, 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 they, kids have to see it for themselves. It's not about what, in any conversation, the other person has to see what we're saying for themselves. It's, well, as an adoptive parent, I wish I could heal the trauma for my boys, but I can't. It's something that I've realized there are tools. My oldest son has learned tools that he has implemented in his life that have helped him to to do his own healing. And he and I have had conversations. I can't do it for him. He's got to do the work. And you said you've been on this journey 16 years now once yeah. you realize that trauma. I remember when he was in residential he did some introspection work that a lot of adults have never even touched where he was digging in and it was hard. It was hard stuff. And uh, yeah. I applaud these, these kids the, and adults, these adoptees that are doing this work. Yeah. What, what, what does healing mean to you, Tim? That's a good question. Now, as far as my own personal healing or for my son, what, what, which way do you want me to answer that? Either way, both ways, generally okay. all three ways. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to your son? What do you think it means in general? Well, I think this can, my answer can be applicable to, to myself or my sons. Um, I think healing, there's a realization that, especially if you're talking about trauma, that in some respects, it never goes away, but you can get to a point, And I've, I've heard this phrase used a lot recently that you can become comfortable being uncomfortable. You can be content in whatever situation you're in. That takes a lot of discipline. It's, it's, a, it's a mindset idea where when you realize things are happening to you, you can have some go-to things that will help you to flip the switch and be content. But I believe I can be content even when, I, when things are just there's storms all around me. I can be content. And that's part of the healing process, I believe. Does that make sense? Yeah. Being okay with not being okay. And I think with my my sons that they they will my my prayer and my hope for them is they'll come to that realization that this is the the hand they've been dealt through, no fault of their own. And that when things do trigger them and they might feel angry or whatever, they can fall back on on things that they know. And some of those things that they might know are their value, as you said. They are valuable. And when you can replace this feeling of rejection and not worth anything to really understand your value and what your true value actually means, 
then you can start to be comfortable even when you aren't comfortable. And you can start to protect yourself because you have that knowledge that uh, is there. So that would be kind of my answers for this. I mean, that makes uh, great sense to me. It's, as I say, I'm more interested in who I am than how mm-hmm. I feel. Right. I'm more interested in who I am than how I feel. And your, who your, your identity. Yes. Your identity. Yeah, identity. And the identity as the diamond. Yes. And your identity as diamond. It's not just me. It's not, a, I'm not being a, a big headed bloke, right? Right. <laughs> I'm saying everybody is a diamond. Oh yeah. We all have value and we need to, we need to embrace that because, you know, I believe we are created and we have intrinsic value. No one is, is better than anyone else. We all have intrinsic value and we need to, to realize that and accept that and realize it's easier to say sometimes than uh, to accept we're all deserving of love. And I know some adoptees, they just don't feel like they deserve to be loved. Uh, yes, you do. And, and some I, non, non-adoptees as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a universal thing. Some people just have, have this idea that they don't have value or worth. And yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you do. And so finding your identity is really, is really critical, I believe, for anybody. But especially yeah. in this, we're talking in this podcast for adoptees to, yeah. to realize their and, identity. And disidentifying from our trauma. How, how yes. I am mm-hmm. isn't the trauma that I feel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, separate identity from feelings. Mm-hmm. So I, I say um, trauma is a toxic cocktail of insecurity, fear, shame, grief. But mm-hmm. with a with a cocktail glass, not its contents, mm-hmm. it, it it opens up some distance, opens mm-hmm. up some distance between who we are and how we feel. And again, when you are secure in your identity, then you will have feel times where you don't feel the best yeah. for whatever reason. But if you are secure in your identity and know you have that brilliance and that diamond, and you are lovable then you can start to ward off those things as they start to creep in those negative thoughts. Yeah. I'll give you uh, an example um, because I've done a lot of kind of worry about worry right? and or being angry about being angry. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I understand. <laughs> so uh, I, I had a, a, I had a meltdown at, uh, on the train going down from York to London about eight years or so ago. I think it was, I had a meltdown with a fellow, passenger i didn't punch them you'll be pleased to hear um <laughs> but what happened afterwards i f- i forgave myself mm-hmm. rather than beating myself up I, I i could separate my behavior from who i am i could separate my feelings from who i am yes and you can kind of get get over it and that's one of the key things for me is we kind of get o- over it if we have a if we if we separate how we feel from from who we are Mm-hmm. Okay. I just, yeah, otherwise, I you otherwise you just keep on going down like a a a, a dark hole, a, the dark trauma hole. So you kind of like you're you're angry, and then you're beating yourself up being for being angry, mm-hmm. beating yourself up. Yeah. Well, and when you when you fall into those traps, or it's easy to fall into that trap. To me, the one of the solutions is to put it behind you, and to move forward. I mean. Ex, you know, accept responsibility for what you did, but then say, you know, that's not who I want to be. 
for whatever reason, I reacted in that way and then just purpose to move on. And again, seek security in your identity. So these are good ideas and and it's been a good conversation, I believe, to to help facilitate the healing in adoptees. As we start to to tie this all together and you know, we never really got to the question I, I was talking about, but I think we'll use that for our daily doable. What's the most important thing you would want adoptive parents to know? The most important thing for you to know, yes, uh, be able to do is not take your kids' trauma personally. I like that. I like that because speaking from experience, it's easy to do. It's really easy it to do. It is to do. And the the clearer that you can see your identity in this diamond, right? Mm-hmm. The, the better able you can be able to point your child to that and 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 separate the diamond the the diamond that they are from the trauma that they've been through the trauma that they feel and the biggest thing on in this space this came from an adoptive parent um who mm-hmm. runs an adoption agency down in um, Texas uh, and it's unpacking she came on the podcast and she had a uh, an idea she she came up with her own title for the for the podcast uh, which was unpacking our own baggage as adoptive Mm -hmm. parents yes so the number one thing is parenting is about you and not your child Mm -hmm. it's about your 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 resilience your your resilience your ability not to take the the adoptees trauma personally your your ability to see your innate infinite worth your ability to communicate everybody's infinite worth to your adoptive parent it's it's all about you so that's what an adoptive parent told me right and i thought this seems 100 percent true because i said as i said uh, with my me and my kid me and my wife haven't got a kid I, I can't make her change i can change me i can't change her any any relationship starts with us it's about how we're being in the relationship. We can't mm-hmm. get anybody else to change. We we ha- we have to. We're leaders, right? You're right. a parent. You're a leader. You've got to go first. And, and the the flip side of that is, I've heard from a, a therapist that does a lot of work with uh, adoptive parents. They they ring her up and they say, essentially, how do I fix my kid? And she said they're barking up the completely the wrong tree. It's about them. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's about it's about you. So my relationship with my wife is about how I'm being. Mm-hmm. I can influence me. I can't influence her. That makes perfect sense. And um, I've heard those things expressed by others as well. The the tagline for this podcast is "Do what you can now." And if we focus on doing what we can, I know adoptive parents would we would love to be able to to quote unquote fix things, but we can't, but we can facilitate the, the healing if we do as, as you suggest. So um, thank you so much for uh, these insights from an adoptee's perspective and what you've heard from other adoptive parents and so forth. As we wrap up, tell people how they can, uh, can contact you, tell them a little bit more about the podcast and. Uh, sure. Um, so my website is thrivingadoptees.com. And the, and the podcast is Thriving Adoptees. 
as I say, there's 400 episodes. If you go back in the back catalogue, you'll be able to find ones for adopted parents. At the moment, we're focusing pretty much purely on fellow adoptees because there's a lot less resources out there Mm -hmm. for for adoptees than there are for adopted parents. It's really important that we all support support one another. And there's lots of uh, interviews I did with adopted parents. Um, Perfect. On, on earlier episodes of the podcast. And okay. if people want to get in touch, I'm Simon at thrivingadoptees.com. Great. I will include links to all of those uh, ways to contact you and reach out in the show notes. So uh, Simon, thank you so much for uh, being on. And I really appreciate uh, your willingness to be vulnerable and share your experience and your journey of healing too. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I love it. I hope you were encouraged by this conversation as much as I was. Here are a few of the takeaways. Number one, we've all got to help each other. We've got to walk each other home. Number two, everyone's worth is infinite. Number three, remember there's no such thing as secondhand insight. Number four, adoptive parents, You can't fix your kids. And then number five, remember, don't take your kids' trauma personally. Please check the show notes out for the links to Simon's website and podcast. That's all for this episode. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, this is Tim, encouraging you to do what you can now. If this podcast has given you the courage and confidence to face storms in your life, The number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Tim Maudlin. You can also connect with me in my Facebook group, Anchors of Encouragement. So until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now.